0: Want to give a shout out to one of my oldest friends in the entire universe. A lady by the name of Erin Anderson. A lady that I met when I was 15 years old. A lady that actually saved my life on two separate occasions. That she does not know that she did this is a fault of my own. And Erin, if you're listening to this, I will happily explain to you when those situations were. But for now, I will just say thank you. I'm thinking of you, and I love you, even though I know that's awkward for you to hear. I'm going to say it anyway. My name is Eli. Thank you for listening. Let's get started. And here we So, it should be said, first off, for those of you who uh, are not familiar, that the goal of this podcast has always been to recap the year of film that came before. And because of that, there are a multitude of storylines that fuel each episode, and um, up until recently, I knew what I wanted the first episode of this season to be long before 22 was over. Why so blue? Our mission is to hunt down and kill the leader of the Na'vi insurgency. The one they call Toh Rook Jake Sully. I would say around the beginning of November I was already kind of growing weary of the hype behind Avatar and the bandwagon jumpers whom in the hype of the sequel coming out started giving lavish praise to the first entry of the franchise as something that was way more important than what it actually was man i i i was at peak annoyance with all of the banality that i was hearing on behalf of that first avatar movie and even before thanksgiving i prepared something that i liked to call uh or at least like to have thought of as like the trial of james Cameron. And not that I was gonna, you know, take the man to task or anything, but it is an actual fact that since the release of that first movie, the game has changed in a multitude of ways, and like many who feel like me, the initial reaction was to blame all of this annoying ass hype on the director. Then Thanksgiving happened, and before I even saw The Way of Water, I came to realize that the whole project that I was preparing for for Cameron, the the trial episode or whatever. It was just way more mean-spirited than I ever intended it to be. So rather than just to start this episode with some rant like I have in the past two seasons, I will start like an apology. Let's, Let's call it an apology. I do feel a certain way about Avatar as a franchise. Yes, I do. I do feel that it's, you know, the title as the highest grossing movie ever is propped up by a number of things that lean the scales in his favor, but I'll get to that later too, okay? Right now, the most important thing is to be honest with myself and to be honest with whoever's listening. Whether you like the guy or not, whether you like James Cameron or think he's good or not, because that's actually a conversation I've been having. Think about that. That's just dumb. Whether you like him or not, there's a couple of things that must be acknowledged as actual fact. James Cameron is a man who's made no less than three legitimate masterpieces yep. and two near masterpieces on top of the three. There are many who have that number of masterpieces, the Spielbergs and um, the Scorseses and uh, the Eastwoods and all that. But they're all guys that we readily acknowledge as the greatest directors of all time, right? Like... Many other really, really good directors do not have three masterpieces. They have one, maybe two. And those directors have built entire legacies off the back of those one or two masterpieces that they've had. James Cameron is an innovator of the genre unlike anybody who's ever lived outside of mm, George Lucas, maybe. He invented a whole camera system to film that first Avatar movie and went above and beyond in creating the the, the Titanic sinking at a time where practical effects weren't really used like that. Like his dedication to filming is singular. I mean, I would say that everything being filmed in 3D is corny at worst, but it all does show up on the screen. He doesn't waste any of the endless budgets that he's been given. You can give him that. That being said, why was I ready for all the smoke with you, Avatar, James Cameron fanboy jabronis? Well, because I was annoyed. Amidst all the greatness that there is about this man, he does take about a decade and a half in between each fucking project. Now, as fans, we always want our favorite entertainers to do more. As fans, we want our favorite people to have a release every Uh, two years, or something like that. Like, I'm very much in that boat from time to time. And with Cameron, I was annoyed, as I'm sure you were. But then I realized something. The success that that man has had has broadened his horizons to having the capability to do some real things in the real world. And I can only imagine that one can have a whole set of aspirations early on in their career when they have that first hit. But over the course of maybe... 25 years or so those aspirations change in a dramatic way right maybe a guy of his reverence when it comes to this business maybe he wants to expand his tapestry of real life experiences more than just making films over and over that we love so much I mean if we're gonna be fair in just looking at what he did to bring that first movie into fruition he directed it yeah. co-wrote it yeah. Produced it. Practically created the entire universe from scratch. Helped to invent a new camera system specifically for it. Oh, and he was doing documentaries in the middle of all that shit. Cameron directed Expedition Bismarck, about the German battleship Bismarck, four years after Titanic. He directed Ghost of the Abyss, a documentary about the Titanic, in 2003. In 2005, he directed Aliens of the Deep, a documentary about ocean life forms, the Marianas Trench, all that shit. A year after that, he co-created and narrated The Exodus Decoded, a documentary, um, I think it was exploring the biblical account of The Exodus. 07, him and his, uh, his, the other guy, the Jacobovici guy. I forgot his name, Samicha Jacobovici, I think that was his name. They produced something called The Last Tomb of Jesus, which I believe he also narrated. That was in 07. And then two years later, we got the first Avatar movie. Like, all of that stuff was in between Titanic and Avatar. He wasn't chilling. Nope. He wasn't lazy. Nope. He was doing passion projects, something for which I believe every director of his magnitude should spend a lengthy time doing, like, no matter what. Now, if I can be a little transparent here, I must say that the last season of this podcast is one of the harder things I've ever had to do creatively. I'm a film critic for a website called Spoiler Free Reviews. In the last year I filmed two short films and I've turned one of my screenplays into a bunch of a writing contest which have given me all types of notes and feedback that I've adapted into my writing, blah blah blah. Nothing major per se, I'll admit. Over the past year, I came to understand how long you have to stick with certain things to get them to the point of realization, and how, because of that, you approach getting into certain long-term projects with a certain sense of realism. Like, if you work on a whole bunch of things at once, you realize that you're completing things slower than if you would've just... Stuck with one thing and responsibly took care of business with some general consistency. Now I'm not comparing myself to James Cameron in terms of artistic endeavors. I'm just I'm just trying to say that life happens and you may want to decompress. The man isn't addicted to his work, and at the end of the day, I respect that. Like addiction can be a somewhat shallow version of shit that makes you happy. Like, shit that in its nature is a little bit, if not entirely, fleeting, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can only imagine, after umpteen years of making hits like the ones that Cameron has made, that the hits don't have the kind of feeling, like the kind of life-fulfilling happiness, maybe. One thing I also find as an artist in this city is that the expansion of things that give you happiness in real life, outside of whatever art you're working on, also takes some time to work on, too. You know what I mean? Anybody who's on the grind in a city like L.A. should really respect an artist taking the time that they need to take to do the art that they were born to do. This year is half over, and I'm giving you these episodes right now, catching up from last year, because life was happening to me, sometimes all at once. Not really going to go into that, but I'm saying... I can appreciate an artist's space more than anyone. So, if I were to ever meet James Cameron, I'd probably hit him with an apology. Like, he wouldn't really know why, but I mean, given the things that I've written about him a couple of months ago that I was actually going to put on wax, I, I kind of owe him one if I were ever to meet the guy. Hypothetically, I think the existence of this movie wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much if it wasn't for the people overhyping this shit as if it were the thing that was going to quote-unquote change the game. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? I've talked enough about film snobs on this podcast, but, like, y'all were really the shit show to see post-Thanksgiving up until the film's release. Like, you ever just seen a flock of birds synchronized together as they fly through the air? Like, that really... That really was like every one of you. Arc Light Sunset membership card having Stella Adler graduating, avocado toast eating, film snob like type motherfuckers yapping in my face for like a two to three week span. I couldn't help but to hear those words over and over again, changing the game. Like, no matter what part of the city I was in, people were just like reading the same script. And rather than just asking how it could change the game, okay? My question has always been if they even knew what the fucking game even was right now. And if you do, do you know how much the game has changed in 13 years? No? Well, let me just go over some bullet points here. You know how big the internet was in 2009? Not very. It certainly wasn't the catalyst of advertising for every movie that comes out right now. Back in the mid to late 2000s, we were living at a time where trailers were released in theaters before they were released online. Back when I worked at RV8, for example, right? There were a couple of occasions where a trailer would be announced on the news, like on the local news, in front of some movie that was gonna come out. Then people would pay to see the movie. Then they would watch the trailer to the big movie that was announced on the news. And then they would leave the theater and they wouldn't return. I mean, this didn't happen often, okay, and you had to be a pretty big fucking movie in order for this to actually occur with your movie. Example, there was once a movie called Monsters Incorporated, great, one of the greatest Pixar movies ever made. Opened at RV8 back in the day, and that movie sold out for a solid five straight days. Domestically, it made about 300 milli, okay, and about 20 or so milli of that may have been folks walking out after the Attack of the Clones trailer that was in front of the fucking movie, respectfully. Like, that kind of stuff happened from time to time. Happened with Lord of the Rings, happened with The Matrix. It had to have happened involving a big movie of the time. As far as big movies of the time goes a trailer for the new movie from the director of the highest-grossing film of all time qualified as that kind of a big movie trailer. Now, were there comment sections for that trailer on YouTube pages filled with discouragement to, to, to die down the hype for the film? Nope. Were there... 25-minute breakdowns of that trailer by embittered content creators looking for clicks? Nope. That kind of does matter when considering how much the game has changed. It turns out, viewing movies in 3D was a bit of a phase. I think all the big, big movies that were released in 3D after Avatar came out that actually used the format in a useful way, wasn't really a lot of them. I mean, let's just see here. There's a... Well... There was Tron Legacy, the year after Avatar. Meh. There's a Martin Scorsese movie called Hugo, the year after that. Good! There was Life of Pi, a year after that. Wonderful! And then the Sandra Bullock flick Gravity, the year after that in 2013. Great! Not to say that 3D wasn't used plenty, but the market was overflooded. And the vast majority of what we got during that time was a bunch of shameless 3D conversions that made the movies... A lot more costly to go to and see and, you know, we're not dumb, man. People picked up on that and they turned away from it. I would say the last movie I can remember that used 3D well in the 2010s was a movie called The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That came out in 2015. Good! The 3D wave was on its last legs before that movie came out and then 3D absolutely died months after its release the model of the cinematic trilogy became absolutely obsolete. Like to this day, the idea of an entire movie universe being summed up in three movies? She, 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 she. she. Shit. It's almost unthinkable given how much franchises are stretched out to cover as much ground as possible when it comes to their characters. I don't know. If this is for the good or the bad or anything, all I know is that after that new Planet of the Apes trilogy that ended in, I believe, uh, 2017, every major franchise tentpole type of thing was trying to build its own IP to make multiple movies for decades to come. And that was because the concept of the shared universe completely took over. And I've said that, like, the two most important movies of the last 15 years are Iron Man in 2008 and the Avengers in 2012. Iron Man because it started this whole MCU thing and you know how that go. The Avengers because it like proved the shared universe thing was absolutely proven that it could work. Multiple studios have tried to copy and paste that Avengers model to the point where it's become the only thing seemingly worth investing in if you're a big time studio. I mean, there are no spin-offs currently planned for Avatar. It's not based off of a comic book. It's not based off of a video game. And again, I don't know if it's for the good or the bad, but that kind of thing does seem to matter these days. The success of whatever was going to be released last year wasn't going to reverse time and make trilogies cool again, was it? Oh yeah, and that MCU thing I previously mentioned kind of took over the game like six of the top 15 highest grossing movies, or MCU movies. Like they deliver monster numbers opening weekends, you know, time in, time out. They have the best talent in the game and they do have the captured imagination of a film going generation, no matter how good they are. It doesn't matter. Franchises like Harry Potter and Transformers and even the Fast and Furious franchise have slowed down to a crawl in comparison to what the MCU does. And I'm of the assumption that, like, it's the goal of these Avatar movies, and quite possibly the goal of every future James Cameron-directed thing, to join Titanic and that first Avatar movie atop the all-time worldwide leaderboard. And you're not going to keep pace with the MCU machine cranking out two to three guaranteed profitable flicks year after year. It's just not the way. The point is, the game has changed so massively over the past 13 avatarless years that thinking that one release was gonna change everything or change the game. I, I, I mean changes don't happen through throughout months, they happen throughout years. This episode is brought to you by Boss of CMOS, the number one CMOS brand in Washington State. So what are the benefits of Irish CMOS? Often touted as a superfood, proponents of this algae claim it can strengthen immunity, improve digestion, and even produce glowing skin over time. Irish Moss alone contains 92 of the 102 minerals that our bodies need in order to thrive. Boss of Sea Moss is a brand that incorporates Irish Sea Moss into things like face mask gels and bath bombs. They also have lemonades both in the original flavor and a new strawberry lemonade, as well as two original blends that you can put into smoothies of your own. The Original 92 Mineral Formula and the Herbal Blend with all 102 minerals support black-owned businesses. Check out Boss of Moss at their website, bossofseamoss.com. Again, that's bossofseamoss, S-E-A-M-O-S-S dot com. All one word, by the way it is absolutely imperative to point out something here when it comes to the worldwide gross of the highest grossing movie of all time okay it's really important when it comes to that score that you guys love to run at me those numbers you have to understand that there was an absolute fuck ton of re-releases especially in the last four years or so one thing that the Avatar Hype Beast keep forgetting to mention is how many times it was re released in order to maintain its status financially as the highest grossing movie ever. I mean, the re releases are never even credited with that final box office tally by any fucking body. The Hype Beast keep convincing themselves that Avatar opened with no original IP previously or built in fan base and really made $780 million domestically in its entire theatrical run. I'm sorry to break your bubble here, but we're going to go over all the fucking re-releases that this movie had just for the sake of posterity, okay? One. Two years after the initial release of Avatar, they released an extended edition in 2011. This was around the time that the sequel was rumored to be happening, and the hype was still pretty fresh even two years later. I'll give the film that much credit. In fact, I'll go as far as to say that if The Way of Water was released anywhere between 2011 to even like 2014, we would be talking about the legacy of this franchise in a much, much more grandiose scale in terms of cultural significance. Much more. 2. I mean, what kind of? Re-release number two came out in 2013, I think. I mean, maybe it was just L.A., but I do remember seeing this film for about a month in IMAX screens, Century City, Culver City, Universal City. I I don't know if that was for like a special occasion or something, but actually, I don't know if I can even count this as a re-release, I guess, now that I think about it. But it was on an IMAX screen on a major chain theater five years after its initial release in a major market. It's important to note. Anyway. Two, there was the, oh my God, Avengers Endgame just took our record and now we have to re-release it again to take the record back so that we can promote the sequel that's going to come whenever the fuck it comes, re-release, in the summer of 2019. Three, there was the, okay, theaters are back operating again, let's re-release this in IMAX screens because there's no other viable IMAX related movie coming out for the foreseeable future, re-release. In that odd little section of, like, 2020 where the theaters were open again, at least for a little while, before they shut back down again? Yeah, that counts as a re-release. I'm sorry. Four. There was a 2021 re-release in China that absolutely, totally, definitely, without a doubt, was not an attempt to pander to China ahead of time for Avatar 2, given that they were the biggest movie market in the whole world. Only China got that re-release. Biggest movie market in the whole world. Five. And not even a year later, there's the, hey, the sequels are on its way, so now we got to put this back in IMAX theaters to hype up something we don't even know it's going to be as big as we need it to be. Re-release. Of this early year. Well, early 22. Oh, and that's an important thing to note. I'm not saying that like people were anticipating failure with this movie or anything like that. But there was a whole bunch of weird type statements coming out from Cameron himself. He had this, like, interview with Deadline about being able to cut off the franchise at three movies just in case this one came out and underperforms? And all this talk about having to make $2 billion just to break even? That's very bad. That's very, very bad. I would say from the middle of October on to the end of Thanksgiving, All the superhero movie hype surrounded the sequel to Black Panther, Conda Forever, and justifiably so. I mean, Black Panther was all of the conversation, all of the buzz, all of the theories, all of the internet internet Interneting was around Black Panther 2. December 1st, 2022 came, and with it came the two-week blitzkrieg of hype. As opposed to all these other things which were hyped up for months and months and months on end, the first half of December 22 was all Avatar, man. And I mean, here's, here is where I'm going to step up on my soapbox. I'm going to get a little petty here, okay? To all the people who truly love this franchise and will defend it while... Knowing particular elements of the franchise in a geek-like way that, you know, like let's say a Star Wars fan does or a Lord of the Rings fan does, like, you know, this is not to you. To the people who simply see this as a good or bad film and leave it at that without any further conversation about the nature of its supposed impact, what I'm about to say isn't for you either, okay? This is all you bandwagon people, like the people who didn't hype up that first movie whatsoever throughout all that time between its sequels i just kind of want to ask where the fuck y'all were like where the fuck were y'all at all the comic conventions where other people were dressing up in jedi robes and putting on makeup like their favorite comic book characters tv characters video game anime characters all that where were y'all Have y'all ever seen merchandise for this fucking franchise being sold extensively at any major store? Like, Target, Kmart, Walmart maybe? I mean, I'm not saying that they never sold merch for it, right? I'm pretty sure they sold merchandise for it when it was in theaters. But what about in the 12 years between 1 and 2? Is there a famous quote from this? Like, a famous scene from this? that has been constantly referenced in pop culture throughout the 13 years. It's important to note that, like, as annoying as Star Wars fans are, and believe me, I've went into detail on them, there was about 16 years in between The Last Jedi and The Phantom Menace, and there was still Star Wars media every fucking where. People couldn't wait to jump on the bandwagon with fan fiction and video games and cartoons and like. There were nine years between the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies, and pretty much the same thing was happening with that. I mean, in a much lesser way, but still, it was there. It was present. This Avatar thing was supposed to be just as important as those things, right? I guess it's supposed to be, but I got questions now. Do you, do you fanboy Avatar motherfuckers even know about this universe that you say you do? You don't have to answer out loud or anything like that, but I'm just gonna give you a prompt quiz. Bear with me here. What is the main character of Avatar's name? Okay, maybe you got that one correct, point for you. Do you remember why he was there? Do you remember the name of the tree they were supposed to protect? Do you jabronis even know Stephen Lang B? Do you know what that handprint on Zoe Saldana is supposed to represent? Now these questions might be a little bit difficult. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And maybe they're just a little bit of Johnny on the spot for you, but that's the point. You can ask a real Star Wars fan obscure bullshit, and they can give you at least a semi-accurate answer because it matters. You can do f- so for the Lord of the Rings, like Stephen Colbert does. You can do so for Naruto, like Meg the Stallion inexplicably fucking does. Or any random Disney animated franchise like the eight-year-old standing next to you probably can fucking do. You know why? Because it matters. Every one of those things has a stronger legacy than a live-action Ferngully sequel that you guys claim to know so much knowledge about. You goddamn Avatar super fans are about as active as LA Clipper fans. Like Clipper fans, whenever anything is like on and popping, you guys claim to be the day ones. But when the numbers go bad or when you guys start fucking not mattering culturally, you guys just go away. When the. When the numbers are big, you guys sit here and shit on everything else, but when that movie goes back to Disney+, Plus, which it eventually will do, you guys are going to be doing the same thing that these fucking Clipper fans do whenever their quote-unquote team inevitably fails, like they always have fucking done. You guys are going to shut your mouths, and you guys are going to let the MCU keep running things like it always has been. Oh yeah, and don't think... Like, I don't know that's why you exist in the first place. Like, I know superhero fatigue has already, like, engulfed everybody in 2023, but at some point, people got to respect the consistency here of the MCU. I mean, they're not masterful cinema a lot of the time. Like, they're not the Wes Anderson, Greta Gerwig, Noah Bumback, like, Darren Aronofsky, Paul Thomas Anderson movies that you avatar slash film snob jabronis keep masturbating over. Y'all are now a contingency of people who want to act as contrarians to the thing that you guys too respected as recently as 8-10 to years ago when all that Transformers hype was here. All that Michael Bay hype was here. You remember that? That was dominating conversations and you were like, oh yeah, but Marvel's doing it better. I remember that. I was there for that. But because studios have given all their attention and copying and pasting this MCU brand, we gotta deal with you Avatar motherfuckers, man. Y'all motherfuckers love to point out, like, that you're sticking your middle finger up to every superhero movie in existence, but can't find a fucking franchise to latch on to in order to extend that finger. Think Avatar's that franchise? You think it's a franchise? You think they're going any deeper than these five movies that they've promised? Hmm. Shit's weird. I mean, we, we get it, Avatar people, okay? You're smarter than we are, like... Cameron created biospheres for this tentpole. Like, look at what he's saying about the environment. Look at all the CGI. Like, Worthington's a better actor than anybody gives him credit for. Hold up. Wait a minute. I, I, I somewhat agree with that, actually. Worthington really hasn't had a fair shot out here. But that's a conversation for another episode. And I will get to that later on in this season. Let's not get too sidetracked here, okay? The point is, when it comes to you Avatar people, as my guy Logan Roy once said, Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. off. I know I stated this earlier, but it needs to be emphasized yet again right here. Money does not equal cultural impact. There are many, many things that go into a large worldwide growth. The standards that we've held to Marvel are astronomical for good reason, but... All those movies gross within the 200 million dollar domestic range nowadays no matter how much they're playing no matter how much they're referred to as bombs or disappointments the most impactful movie of 2022 was top gun 2. a movie that was supposed to be streamed directly on paramount plus because of the lack of faith in a sequel that came out 35 years ago top gun came out to the highest memorial day opening ever got re-released some months later and still managed to crack the top five Months later, after being, I think it was out of theaters for a while, then it came back. Top Gun nailed the nostalgia feels. It gave you action in a very old school kind of way. It appealed to all kinds of audiences. It was a very welcome surprise and like a definitive star vehicle for Cruise. You know what I mean? After 50 years in the game, Cruise was like like this guy still. Well, Top Gun 2 is the 12th highest grossing movie of all time. 12th. Top Gun has made $180 million less than the 8th highest grossing movie of all time, Jurassic World. It's made $20 million less, actually, than the 11th highest grossing movie of all time, Furious 7. I don't mean any disrespect here when I say this, but if you're going to measure cultural impact of Jurassic World, Furious 7 and Top Gun, You gotta be kidding me I would say Top Gun gets the edge And that's just saying that respectfully Like Point is Money doesn't equal impact What the fuck was Titanic's impact Over the course of time? Is it the best Leo performance? Oh hell no Is it the best Kate Winslet performance? Oh hell no Titanic made the most out of any movie from the 1990s, but The Matrix had more impact because it has a more direct influence on action films, right? Yep. Pulp Fiction was nowhere close to being the highest gross movie of the 90s, but most would acknowledge that that was the movie that took independent cinema to the next level, for better or for worse, right? Yep. Blade was an R-rated, blood-soaked vampire flick that came out of nowhere and made its money, but it also technically was the film that reignited this superhero genre from, like, this idle state it was in after these Schumacher movies. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Toy Story is probably the most culturally impactful film of the 90s overall because of the animation that it put to feature length. Right? Ain't Titanic became the highest grossing flick, but the impact of these films, these other films I mentioned, rather, are, are very much felt today. Avatar has made no further impact on cinema due to the often teased and super elongated delay of this sequel. And as I've said before, Cameron is a legend. He's an innovator. He's a fucking man. Okay. However, he doesn't necessarily make impactful films anymore. He makes films that make money. And although that's impressive, and although he deserves his glory for that, we now live in a time that will celebrate that more than what he's done before, by pretending that a worldwide gross is the most important thing that a film can do. And that really is a fucking shame. Many months later... I wanted to wait until the full theatrical run was over to assess the impact of The Way of Water, just in case I had to eat some of my words here. The good news is that, hey, it did break even. <laughs> it was $2.3 billion worldwide. And uh, for the record, The Way of Water, the sequel to the highest-grossing film of all time, only had two fucking films released throughout the Christmas holiday that were even remotely close to the size of it. And they really weren't close at all. There was a sequel to the Puss in Boots movie that came out in 2011. Wonderful! And that took pretty much as much time to release a sequel as Avatar did. And there was a movie called Babylon. Fucking garbage! And it was rated R. It was three hours. It was super expensive Oscar bait from Damien Chazelle, the director of La La Land and and First Man. But that tanked very badly in its opening weekend, and it barely made any money for the three weeks that it was in theaters. And that's it. Over the Christmas holiday, okay, the third biggest holiday weekend of the year, time in and time out, Avatar 2 had nothing else to compete with. Nothing. Going into January, the biggest movie of that month turned out to be uh, Megan. That was a mid-budget horror movie about a robot doll that was supposed to be rated R and got Edited to PG-13 so no other movie in January could like even come close to that domestic gross. And to be fair, Megan almost beat Avatar in its opening weekend. But, like its predecessor, Avatar 2 was a more expensive movie to go to. It was more expensive to watch Avatar, as it was the first one. first one cost like $7 more to see than anything else in the market. And the second one, very much the same thing. They count that money towards the overall gross. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned that, but yes, the inflated numbers of these three D conversions do count to that final number. Anyway, movie that took it out of the box office champ category on a week-to-week basis was uh, Cabin in the Woods, the Shyamalan movie. <laughs> I mean, to this day, that's such a polarizing director it doesn't even seem as if that movie would make a big number in its opening weekend but it did and then from there avatar hung around the top five to ten until it was eventually released well it wasn't even released on disney plus like it still isn't released on disney plus now but anyway here we are top five highest grossing movies of all time are avengers endgame great the force awakens good and three James Cameron movies. Now ask yourself, of these five movies, which ones are the most quotable? Which ones can you create the most merchandise from? Which ones can you create spinoffs from? Which ones have like scenes that are famous and memorable long after their releases? Which ones? Of those five, if your answer to these questions involve a movie directed by James Cameron, I mean, then you're in a level of delusion that simply can't be controlled, man. <laughs> you're, you're more than likely going to be in this deep well of content for the way these oversaturated Disney franchises are taking over pop culture. If you believe that any of the James Cameron movies have more impact, then I guess you're sick of hearing about things that aren't James Cameron movies. But all the while, you'll defend Avatar as, you know, being separate and being special. It's not. And you know it's not. But ironically, the reason that you're defending it is the reason why you've come to hate the MCU, Star Wars. It's because money. Star Wars and the MCU have made enough money to the point where you detest them. And you know that if Avatar released on a more consistent basis, you would hate that too. Just look inside. And accept that about yourself, Avatar guy. You're just following trends, buddy. Whew. I promised I wouldn't end it on a rant, but, you know, I I can't promise that about myself. I'm too petty just to let some shit like this slide. I appreciate everybody who comes to listen. I appreciate everybody who's backed this podcast up and... Again, I'm sorry for the lateness on the way I'm delivering these. Like I said, man, life was happening. It was happening fast. But we're going to continue on. My name is Eli. Thank you for listening. You've made it to the next episode.